Well, the Australian Open is about to kick off and I'm really proud to have Yuki Bamri with me. Hey, how are you? Uh, I hope everything's uh, fair in your side of the world. This is one of your favorite tournaments. Good, thank you. Yes, I'm uh, really excited to be finally here in um, Melbourne. It is one of my favorite tournaments. It's one of uh, one of my cities where I've had great success and I really enjoy um, playing here as well. So I'm really excited to be finally being able to come back to Australia. How are you feeling before the qualifiers of the Australian Open this year in Melbourne? How have your training and practice sessions been? And uh, more importantly, what is your qualies draw looking like, Yuki? Could you run us through who you're facing and when? Yeah, the draw isn't isn't out yet. It probably should be out in the next hour or two or so. Um, but I'm I am really excited. I've been looking forward to this event for a very long time. All my preparation, um, you know, everything, all the planning that was taking that had that taken place all of last year was to be ready, to be prepared, to be able to start the year fresh. And uh, you know, I I uh, find no better place than to start the year in January in in Australia. Um, you know, like I said, I've I, I've had fond memories over here, which I which when going on court, I take that. Uh, definitely take that with me and and get that confidence going. So yeah, I'm really excited, really happy, and just can't wait to start. It's been a rough couple of years for you, Yuki. You missed 2019 and 20 because of your tendonitis. You returned to the a tour. You tested positive for COVID in Orlando in April. Then again, there was a right knee injury. But you've been brave. How have you kept yourself positive through all of this and the effect of the surgeries and the rehab have had on you? There's been a whirlwind uh, six months or so. Um, everything that could that could possibly go wrong went wrong. Um, you know, really fought hard to try and come back. Took a 20-hour flight, land in a, land in the states, play a tournament, and and get COVID. And I thought there, I thought I'd sort of skip the 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 bad wave that had hit um, India in in April and May. But uh, no, nevertheless, yeah, it's it's been definitely a rough ride. But I enjoy the sport. I really like I really like playing it. I've had incredible amount of success with it. And uh, yeah, injuries unfortunately are something that one an athlete has to deal with at at some or the other point in their in their career. I've had to deal with a lot more than what a normal um, athlete has to, but it's it's something that you know it's part and parcel. That's how I look at it. And every time I'm away from the sport, I really miss it and I really enjoy competing. So that's what gives me the drive to come out there to keep you know keep myself fit, keep myself motivated to come out and play and. And again, having uh, the Australian Open in January was one of the main targets to come back to. So always had that goal in mind and that's what kept me to you know push on. Let's talk about some happy memories. Melbourne Park will be, always be close to your heart, Yuki. You won the 2009 Boys Singles title, dropping just one set. And the year before that, 2008, you lost the eventual champion Bernard Tomic in the semi-finals. You then became junior world number one in Feb of 2009. So your memories of the Aussie Open juniors 2008 and 2009. Yeah, I think 2008 was a bit uh, was a bit more, I wouldn't say special, but uh, took, I think, everyone by surprise, including me, and definitely gave me that confidence at Stepping Stone to come back in 2009 to come and win it. It was uh, a, a really tough field. In fact, uh, you know, I'm seeing a lot of those players back in 08, 09 that I've competed against, a lot of my friends as well, who are here, who are competing as well. So it's we always, uh, you know, go back and talk about our old memories that I've had. But yeah, definitely, um, 2009 definitely changed a lot for me in, in terms of my career, really brought me into the fold, really gave me that confidence as well. I think as a, as a youngster, when you're making your mark, you need those type of successes to 
have that belief in you enable that belief in you as well and just you know to that you are in the right direction you are doing well whatever you've sort of put your game through and you've this is the times where you've competed against the best so you know that you know you're progressing towards it and it gives you that confidence knowing that there's some former greats um who've gone through that path who've done really well in the juniors and that's the way to, to the men's circuit as well so yeah started from there from 09 and I've never looked back since In 2015, you cracked the top hundred. That was huge. November of 2015, your ranking went up to 88. Yuki, you started the year at 315, went up to 88. Huge climb. Look back at that breakthrough year for us and tell us what really changed for you. I think the match against Murray really changed it for me, and it was that was the first time I qualified for a Grand Slam, and again Australia as well. So the the match against Murray at learned a lot from that defeat. Uh, took a lot of confidence from that as well. I had really three close sets, and when you're at at 300 200 250 in the world and you're you know going toe to toe against the world number i think is 3 at that point of time and made the finals as well of the strain open at a speak so i mean there's that's all um that's all you really need uh, you know to to show yourself to at that world stage that was all that all the belief that i really needed was just to go out there and play and once i was able to do that i think i really carried that on all through a season with me so i definitely feel looking back at it that that one particular match having been able to go, go through the qualifying playing mare you know pushing him really close to three sets uh, really set the tone for me for the season and i think that took me in confidence of trying to push my rankings up uh, competing against the rest of the world and giving me that belief that yeah i can do it too and i can really beat these guys I'm going to take you to 2017 July when in Washington at an ATP 500 event you beat Gail Monfields as well as Pella. Uh, tell us what you remember of those matches both huge victories Yuki. Well again one of uh, the events I really look forward to I've got a whole lot of family there and um, you know they're always joking my cousins are always joking around saying you know when are you going to play when are you going how are you going to do so that's that's on the cal- tournament on the calendar that uh, is sort of almost a, a given it's it's a home away from home you know when you look at tournaments in India like okay well here's a tournament in India this is what I'm going to be playing here's you know this uh, these are the grand slams I'm definitely going to take the grand slams and Washington DC is again one of those events that you really that I really look forward to having family there so I think it it was it was very sweet with that incredible support that I had with the whole family at Egmion. So it's no coincidence that I had some of my best victories and some of my best wins there. Um having them cheering on cheering me on and 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 playing at home as a huge Indian uh, population as well in in Washington so almost felt like playing at home. And yeah, I don't think a lot of the players were sort of used to that Monfils is a crowd favorite wherever he goes and uh, not having the crowd behind him I think must have been a bit of a shock. but uh yeah inc- incredible run as well and uh, again one of the events i really look forward to playing so hopefully another good uh, run this year as well there 2018 march you entered indian wells masters you qualified for the main draw you beat nicolas mahout the frenchman in the opening round in the second round you upset then world number 1 lucas puy in straight sets your memories of those victories in indian wells yes, so have some have had a lot of success against the french it was monfils first mahout it was puy all all uh, french guys and going to locker room as well they were sort of joking about the, w- w- what is up against you with with these french um guys playing them and and winning and again um you know coming i think just taking that confidence into these tournaments really really competing hard really um you know sort of believing in myself and playing them i think has has been the success 
has given me a lot of success. So, uh, you know, I've always said this before as well. It really, for me, is about competing. Winning and losing is, is part and parcel of it. But if I can give myself these opportunities of being in these positions, of playing the slams, of playing the Indian Wells, playing the Masters events, um, and and really just competing against these guys, I think the wins will come. And, and, and they have. So I take that. Every time I've been away from the sport, I take a lot of confidence from these victories and and having come back. So yeah, and again, another another shot, another try, and uh, let's go. Growing up in a tennis family, your sisters were both professional tennis players, so your cousins must have been special. Who can we credit with the entire Bambri family taking up tennis? Would it be your dad who was keen that all of you play? I think both both my parents and we have it's it was a bit of a coincidence. I think we just had tennis courts nearby and it's something that you know parents want us to do after school, not to be hanging around in front of t- in, in front of TV sets. So this was something that everyone picked up. I obviously followed see, seeing my sisters play, seeing them compete um, and winning trophies. And as a as a six seven year old kid, when you see you know your Older sisters bringing home shiny silverware and everyone celebrating. It is, uh, it sort of catches your eye, and that's what propelled me towards picking up tennis too. So I said, well, if you know everyone's so happy with these with these shiny toys and these trophies, uh, let's you know I got to go try and get them too. And that sort of pushed me towards them. I think tennis happened by accident for the for both my sisters, but uh, yeah, my, my parents, my family have been very very supportive. Of the fact that you know they, they took us around, made sure that we were competing at the right ages, the right tournaments, and sort of had a plan uh, going towards it. But uh, and it worked out well for for all of us. It has, yes. If Novak, uh, you know, doesn't play, it's going to raise a bit of a storm. What do you make of the Novak situation? It's common knowledge that he doesn't believe in vaccinations. His lawyers say that he got COVID in December. He can't take a vaccine even if he wants to. He says he got an exemption. The Aussie authorities have put him in a detention center. Just your thoughts. Yeah, it's. I think this could have this mess could have been avoided um, if they would have just probably been absolutely clear by saying, you know, no exemptions, vaccines are mandated. I think. Uh, uh, ex- I personal view, I can't see why an exemption would really be necessary for a, 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 such a top tennis player who is obviously physically very fit. That would be my view. We're all reading reports in, in the media. No one really knows exactly what is going on, why, you know, where one government was, one state was against it and one did allow him to come to get on the plane. But I think this, this mess sort of could have been avoided there if they had a lot more clarity. But uh, yeah, this is all that's been really been the talk. Uh, all around the locker room, all around the stadiums about if Novak's going to be um, allowed to play or not. And it's a little bit of a sad situation, I think, of of him being in the detention centre. But um, yeah, I guess we just have to wait and watch on, on Monday and see what the court rules. Well, what if he is not part of the draw? Uh, that throws it open, doesn't it? Nadal hasn't competed since August. Uh, you think Thiem will come back stronger after his wrist injury and six months off? Danny Medvedev, can he add to that US Open crown he won last year? Sasha Zverev, the ADP Finals winner, you think he's the big favourite? Also, who do you think would be the dark horses who can pull off a surprise and have an outside chance? I think not having Novak there would, would be one of the most open Grand Slam events that we would have seen in a very, very long time. Especially since there is no Federer as well. Uh, Medvedev assured that he obviously is after winning the U.S. Open that he's who would be going in when one of the favorites and he had some good matches as well. So yeah, it's it's a, winning a Slam is never easy, no matter 
what one opponent is. I think Nadal, even though he hasn't played since August, he would be motivated. He's in the finals of an ATP event already here in Melbourne. So obviously he's he's playing well. And I'm I'm sure it's he would be getting looking at that if Novak doesn't play with having that extra bit of push trying to obviously chase down 21 no matter what they say i think they're all really trying to you know would what would like to finish uh, on a high with, with more slams and uh, so yeah it just makes it all the more interesting but uh, zverev on the back of his olympic gold medal medvedev in the us open you know nadal coming back and always does well in australia starting fresh as well that's another key. So it it really opens things up and you can't really predict a winner here. I think with, when it comes to dark horses, I think Australians have generally have always pulled a surprise. We can't forget Kyrgios. He's ranked really low this year coming in, but um, again, is is can pull off upsets in the in the tournament. No one really wants to see him on, on any side of draw. So I would say any of those Australians... Uh, you know, going in would definitely be a, a dark horse who could upset and break the pattern uh, out there. On the ladies' side, Naomi Osaka is back from a break. Ashley Barty is looking strong. This is a home tournament. And then there's the prodigy Coco Golf, a 19-year-old Aust- uh, US Open champion, uh, Radu Kanu. Also, again, I'd like you to pick up ladies who could surprise us. Yeah, my favorite, I think, going in would be would be Ash Barty. Uh, again, uh, a world number one has... With the home support behind her, Naomi Saka can never count her out. Has won an Australian Open before as well, but I think she looks sharp. I've seen a few matches on the on the women's tour, and she definitely an Ash Barty definitely uh, looks sharp. Of course, Raducanu, I think if she can handle the pressure after having, um, it's not easy after when you win at such a young age and very unexpected. It wasn't as if she was sort of a favorite going and win the U.S. Open. So very unexpected that she that she went on to win being a being a low ranked player. I think if she can handle the pressure of being a Slam champion of being a uh, being there can definitely pull off um, a, a few wins. But yeah, I, I would be going with Ash Party here. Yuki, thanks a lot. Best of luck for the qualies. I hope you make the main draw. You made the main draw in all the four majors. There's no reason why you can't keep doing that. And, uh, you know, India is behind you. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks a lot.